if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's good to have you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for being a part of this thing. I appreciate you. I really do. It is August 22nd. I feel like I should know this. It is August 22nd, and I have a great show for you this week. In The Devil's Advocate, I want to talk about not being afraid to rock the boat. We have a lot of um, sacred cows in our lives. And I think we need to step, step back a little bit. But we'll get into that in a second. An infernal informant, Lindsey Graham, says Biden should be impeached if he leaves Americans or allies in Afghanistan. I can't disagree with Lindsey Graham. And I can't believe I just said those words. In uh, the second one is going to be moaning, crying, unable to move. Photo shows Florida COVID-19 patient on floor of antibody treatment site. Stupidity is still painful. Oh, this is the great moment to be in the world. And in the creature feature, we're going to close it out with a new series that I have been informed about, and my wife and I have been going crazy about, Brand New Cherry Flavor. I'll talk to you about that at the end of the show. It'll be good stuff. I wanted to do a cold open, and I totally forgot. But I have lived my entire life, never once thinking about or being aware of the idea of a side vagina. But now that I know that it's a thing out there, I just, I want in. <laughs> I want in so bad. <laughs> That'll make more sense later on. Okay, um, Dallas, great to have you. Thanks for joining live. Uh, thanks for jumping in the chat early, people. I really appreciate that. William, how you doing? Always good to see you. Gary, what up? Uh, Valeria, how are you doing, my, my dear? It's good to see you. Joaquin. Is it your high holiday? Happy birthday, man. I think that's fantastic. And if it's late, happy belated birthday. Uh, here's to you. Hey, walking. All right, what else we got? We got dog. Dog is in the house. How you doing, hon? I feel like it's been forever. We need to hang out. Hang out soon. Uh, let's see. Mark, what's happening with you? Tony, good to see you. Thanks for joining live. Farith, what up? Lazarus, good to see you. Thanks for joining live again. Uh, always good to see you. Jameson, good to see you. Thanks for joining. All right. All right. How was my birthday? Last week, my birthday was... Um, it was... It, I, I prefer to spend my birthdays in a dark room, <laughs> like just indulging my depression. I just, I, I, I like to listen to music like blues and just be alone and get wildly drunk. That didn't happen this year. This year I spent it playing board games with my family and eating some amazing espresso chocolate cake that my wife's like slaved over the oven to make me and uh, had a good time. So it was all just me and my family, which is the way I prefer it, even though I love my friends. <laughs> When it comes to birthdays, I like to just keep it low-key. Uh, it, was, it was a good time. Sapphire Rose, how you doing? Great name. Sounds very, very sexy. I just got to put it out there. Don't know if it is or not, but I got to put it out there. What is side vagina, Anthony asks? You will know in a little bit. I will tell you. He'll trade birthdays with me because literally everyone forgot yours this year. Oh, no. When was your birthday? I'm not in social media, so I don't know. <laughs> happy, happy belated. That sucks. I'm sorry. Um, silly swastika. How you doing? I feel like it's been a while since you caught one of these live. Good to see you. Thanks for joining live, man. August 18th was your birthday? Well, happy birthday to you, my dear. I'm sorry that everyone forgot. Everyone else sucks. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Even your kids and mom? That's a hard hit. You got to take that one on the chin, hon. That's messed up. <laughs> That is messed up. Yeah, where'd Leo? 
All right. Um, I went hiking today, and uh, the weather or the uh, the air quality was medium, and so I braved the outdoors. It wouldn't ma- if you're just a normal, healthy human. Medium air quality is fine. Your body processes toxins. That's what it's built to do. So it's not that big of a deal for a normal person. I am not a normal person. I have really, really bad asthma, and I've got massive allergies, and it's all managed as long as I don't go crazy and, you know, step out in shitty air and expose myself to what's going to totally mess me up. Um, but moderate, I, I just felt like I had to get out, you know? You just get, you start crawling in your skin. You got to get out of your zone. Had a good time. Had a good hike. It wasn't anything strenuous or crazy or anything, but it was just nice to get out, you know, and see those sights outside of the walls around me that I, I start forgetting about, you know, sort of the majesty of nature. I forget about it when I'm not surrounded in it. And another thing that happened today, I'm going to show you a video in just a second, like literally seconds. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting on the couch uh, and my wife is like, uh, Adam. Red's got a red's got a mouse. Red's got a mouse. So our chickens eat mice. Mice come around our chickens because of the chicken feed. And so it's this weird circle of life thing happening where the mice are coming for the feed, the chicken are coming for the feed, the chickens see the mice in the feed, and the chickens go after the mice. And it's all happening in one big little microcosm of a, a circle that we get to witness in our own backyard. And so I run out there with my camera and brownie one of the other chickens like steals red's mouse and they're like playing tag trying to get the mouse back and all the other chickens are coming by to watch and it's like this weird gang fight situation where you just have like you know it's like a west side story knife dance fight <laughs> you know you got tons of people standing around on the outside periphery and then the two people just in it and then as soon as i get my my phone out here they pretty much just stop and they pay, pay attention to me and stuff. But this is what I do. So that's red in the front. Brownie's the second one in, with the with the mouse. You get your mouse? Red, go get your mouse. That's your mouse. That's your mouse right over there. Go get it. Brownie's getting your mouse. What are you doing? Go get your mouse. She's looking at me like I'm the one in the wrong. Brownie, let's see that mouse. She doesn't even know how to eat it. You gonna eat it? She's gonna fight over it. Fight. Go get the mouse. She doesn't even know how to eat that thing. Go teach her how to eat it. Come on, Red. Go get it. There you go. No, no, no. Don't let her. You are stronger than her. Overpower her. Get the mouse. <laughs> this is probably really boring for everyone else, but that was a really funny moment for us. Um, watching our chicken. They fight all the time. They're they're literally descendants of T Rex, right? There's just scavenger animals. Uh, and that's what they do. They just fight over the stupidest stuff. She she has this mouse in her mouth and she doesn't know what to do with it. Apparently it's the first one that she's ever gotten away from red. And she's just like, how do you eat this? <laughs> it's not coming apart like feed or, or anything else or like a worm. You know, it's just a big old honking mouse. <laughs> yeah. I, if you saw the cheerleading skirt I was wearing, <laughs> you would know how spot on you were. Um, all right. Let's, let's dive into Devil's Advocate. That's enough shenanigans. <laughs> This is my rock the boat image. Um, I was thinking about this uh, the other day, and it's one of those things that I, I know I see it a lot everywhere in life. And so if I'm clearly not the only one seeing it, 
I think we need to speak to it, especially in the context of our sacred cows, right? So let me sort of give you the, the, the bird's eye view, and then we're going to dive into it. So my thought process is that on the regular, I witness Satanists' behaviors, and they are dramatically different when they're in some sort of group communal experience and when they're isolated amongst themselves. And that doesn't make sense to me because we're supposed to be rabid individualists and yet we see a sort of malleability to individual Satanists. It's not everyone, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's enough to make me go, hmm, okay. Anytime you get people together, there tends to be some level of mob mentality, no matter what. And sometimes that's going to be, hey, this person fucked with me and they, they burned me. And so all of your friends get together and burn that person or shun them or treat them as if they had offended them personally, when clearly they only offended the one individual, right? Mob mentality, herd mentality. It's a normal thing, act that occurs <laughs> in nature. And so it's not shocking. What is shocking is when it buries the individual, right? So as Satanists, we have to, you know, sometimes you got to tuck the baphomet. Sometimes you want to pull it out and show it off, you know, shine it up and, you know, let the light reflect in people's eyes. But knowing when to do that is incredibly important because you can actually get burned by the society you live. Regionally around the world, you can actually get killed because of it. And so it's very important for an individual Satanist to know when to go along with the herd consciously for self-preservation and when to sort of stand up and say no i am not a part of this and i'm not going to you know partake in this nonsense that i'm witnessing but what if it's all Satanists? do you want to be the outcast the the how can he be a satanist if he or she doesn't get along with all the other satanists do you want to be that person you're clearly in social media in order to rub elbows and get along with all other Satanists. And so you're going to go out of your way, whether consciously or not, in order to get along with all of the other Satanists so that you can just feel good being around others like you. Even if you completely disagree with everything they say, you just want to be near them. The proximity is just a drug to you. You're not the only one. It's a normal human trait, but it comes with a price. Uh, members of these collectives, they begin to echo each other's behaviors or preferences. Now, you can see this, especially if you're trying to kiss up to people. You start saying, ooh, I like what that person likes, even if you've never even thought about it before, or if, if you abjectly don't like it, you're going to act like you like it because you think that's going to give you some sort of, you know, uh, padding of preference for the individual that you're kissing up to. Um, the danger here is when you lose your independence from the herd, right? Because they want you to act a certain way or they expect you to act a certain way. And so you do that because of this built-in expectation and it just happens to be against your nature. You're no longer an individual at that point. You have conformed to others' expectations of you. And how can you ever consider yourself an individual especially in a group of individuals when they're the ones defining you. Uh, but it's worse than that because what if it's not them stripping your independence from you through their expectations or what they say or how they act? What if it's you willingly giving it up because you want to fit in so bad? Now, this can be seen in a couple of different ways. What if you're not really a Satanist and you're just doing this stuff in order to rub elbows and just be surrounded by other Satanists, right? You just want to have that, that sense of danger and darkness, though if you've ever met a Satanist, then you know it's kind of a silly thing to say, um, that comes along with being around other Satanists. You like that cachet, that social stigma of being around other Satanists, even though you're not actually one yourself. They're definitely those. 
And then there's some that are just trying to fit into something. They just need to be associated with something because they are nothing without that. Well, that's definitely not a satanic perspective and certainly not a satanic series of actions to undertake, but it is, again, something that we see. And again, the worst that you're ever going to find is to actually be a Satanist who just happens to connect with other people online and then starts actually changing who they are, giving away their individual autonomy in order to fit in. And the difference, the primary, there's worlds of differences, but the primary difference between any Abrahamic religion or Eastern philosophy, virtually any religion at that, and Satanism is that Satanism says, be yourself, and every other religion says, be like that God. Be yourself or be something else. So you're taking this other crazy idea of trying to be something else, whatever a Satanist to you is to you in your mind, and you're trying to apply it to the one religion that doesn't want you to do that. This isn't going to be everyone in every moment of their lives type of behavior, but it is something that everyone, I will guarantee, everyone at some point has done. Now, again, it's not always a conscious thing because it's human nature. This is survival tactics. You know, you want to fit in with the tribe, and so you do what you have to do to fit in with the tribe. We used to do it for safety and survival. Now people do it just so that they can have that sense of community or collective or connection with other human beings. As Satanists, we shouldn't need that. As human beings, sometimes we do. So how do you, how do you sort of combine those? Well, stratification is one way, right? Uh, we want to only have those around us that we actually care about, but sometimes that ostracizes you from those online places that all those other people you actually care about live in. So stratification can be challenging in online formats. But you could also just take it straight old school. You can write letters. You can call someone on the phone. You can directly text them through different social media outlets. So you don't have to concede your independence, your individuality, in order to maintain connected with those other people that are hanging out in those places that you just don't want to be a part of. You can still do it. The importance is realizing when you're giving away your autonomy and when you're holding on to it and why. Because again, if you're in your workplace, it's Oh, sorry, here, let me throw that up there. Um, when you're in the workplace, sometimes it's really healthy to kiss up to the boss. It means you're going to probably be next in line for the promotion. It means probably you're, if you're doing a good job in the job and not just kissing ass, uh, you're going to go further in the company or it's going to be a stepping stone into further successes professionally. This is lesser magic, right? So there's a difference between using lesser magic consciously and then just being a sucker for human behavior subconsciously in herd settings. Even right now in this chat room, you have individuals who are willing to say, no, no, Campbell, you are out of your fucking mind about this topic or this topic or this topic. This is how it is. And you clearly are just missing something. And then you have people that are just sort of like, oh, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be pointed at and yelled at digitally. It happens, right? Sometimes you just don't care enough and that's fine too. Um, but I think the point of this little segment is that we need to be aware when and why we're giving up that individuality. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. But knowing that you're doing it and when and how is going to help better inform you next time. When you find yourself in those positions of just automatically ceding to the desire of the herd rather than actually planting your feet in the moment and saying, no. I don't mind rocking the boat right now. This is bullshit, and I'm going to stand up to it. It means there's consequences for doing that. But I will accept 
any consequence at any time for being an individual when it matters than being just another sheep, whether you're wearing black or white. And that's not racial, that's good or evil. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I always like the, the, I think it's really funny whenever people associate evil with Satanism or with Satanists, because it's clearly not evil at all. And there's no one Satanist I could ever point to and say that person's evil, because that's just not the reality of it at all. Like when I, when I uh, came out as a Satanist, uh, as a young man, my friend was like, there's nothing evil about you. How can you be a Satanist? You clearly don't get it, but thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> so whenever, you know, we love this dark aesthetic that we celebrate it actually, but that's kind of as far as it goes. And so I always sort of laugh in my head and outward when, when I think about it. Um, that being said, what are you guys saying about this? Am I out of my mind? Did everyone hear that one? Uh, RJ Kelly, what, what are you guys talking about? Let's see, satanic ass kissers, and there are many, unfortunately. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot. Other people's expectations of you are not your business. Can't help it if they read you wrong. I love that dog. And here's the truth is that that's 100% right in many cases. Um, I do see it as sometimes it's better to go along. But that's one of those the stars have to align type situations. Um, now you become guilty of herd conformity. Yeah, Jameson. Well, and here's the, here's the thing. Again, I want to reinforce this idea. Sometimes it's okay. You know, as long as you're doing it knowingly and you're getting something out of it, then yeah, it's fine. If you're just doing it to get along or to kiss up or so that you can be a member of some sort of weird group, whether it's online or offline, well then I, th I would say that that's not a good thing <laughs> and that you're actually no longer an individual at that point. You're trying to be a, an appropriate member of that herd rather than the individual. And that is antithetical to Satanists. Uh, the biggest problem is following someone blindly by your sexual glands. That's the most natural thing, too. All right, Anton. What's going on in your life right now? <laughs> your sexual glands. Yeah, no, that's not a good thing. You should be uh, using a little lesser magic so you don't have to follow them around. So they will then pay attention to you. That's the goal, right? I mean, understanding the balance factor, because you can't be running after J-Lo if you're not on level, <laughs> right? Uh, compulsion, as natural as it may be, doesn't work very well in the long run. I'm going to have to think about that one for a second. Uh, let's see. Question everything, including what you do, for sure. You, magic. That's why I like canoes. <laughs> You're the only one in the boat. It'll rock if you fucking want it to. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Carol Baskin is evil. <laughs> That's the tiger lady, right? Dude, the flesh is evil to many. Uh, wherever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Mark Twain. Uh, that sounds like a quote from Mark Twain for sure, and very true. You prefer the word malicious instead of evil. Oh, the word malicious instead of evil when talking to non-Satanists, as most people can't grasp what it means, what you mean by good and evil. Malicious is another tough one, though, because that's, that's, that's evil intent right? Like, I don't go around with evil intent. I, I go around with self-preservation in mind, you know, self-interest. Um, let's see. Evil, most Satanists you've met, yourself included, are dorks, <laughs> not dark masters. That's fair. 100%, Dallas. 100%. Yeah, so, you know, I just, I, I, made, I wanted to make sure that I, I'm not just talking shit on people who do get along in groups and go out of their way to get along because sometimes it is a self-preservation thing. Sometimes it's for your own better self-interest to do so. Uh, but understanding that you don't have to and you're not expected to as a Satanist is really important. You don't need other Satanists to get ahead in life. You just need confidence in yourself and practice and practice and practice lesser magic. That's all you got to do. And you can get ahead. You don't need someone whispering in your ear to do it. Um, for some people, it's really hard to have that confidence to stand up on your own. And I've, I've told this story before. 
but it's it's germane to this discussion. In the military, they would often do prayers before exercises to make sure no one gets hurt. It's a ridiculous idea in, me, in my head. And so I, instead of everyone going up and, you know, praying together, I just stood off in the back and sort of kicked rocks because I don't want to be a part of that. Now, that pitted me against all of the religious nut jobs, but that's a conflict that I'm happy to take up because I don't want to be associated with that. Even if it means getting along with everyone else, I would rather just feel better about using logic and safety measures rather than putting my faith in some all-powerful oogity-boogity, you know? It's just, it's ridiculous. And to think that soldiers, people who are going out to <laughs> attack and defend other human beings are putting their faith in mystical mumbo-jumbo should terrify every other soldier on that field in training or actual theater of war. Like, that's a terrifying idea. You're putting your faith in an imaginary being. You should put your faith in the person next to you. <laughs> now, in my experience, they all did, but, you know, that whole religious thing is it's pretty deep in some people. Um, I don't know. I think, I think I got my point across. Uh, awareness in everything you do. And always second guess your behaviors. I think it's really healthy to question yourself, um, as William put it up there, question everything, even yourself. It's important, you know, because you may think in the moment that you're doing your best for your best and find out later that you're actually not. And if you just took a second, took a breath to think about what you're doing before you do it, you may avoid those situations or finding yourself in those situations altogether, right? So sometimes it is okay to rock the boat and sometimes it's a must. Tip that boat over. Don't always get along. It's not gonna serve you in the end. Let's do a little inferno for a minute. switch images and we'll get into it if i can actually select the damn thing i never thought i'd agree with this this dude <laughs> lindsey graham says biden should be impeached if he leaves americans allies in afghanistan this is from newsweek senator lindsey graham a south carolina republican said friday that if president joe biden leaves any americans or afghan allies in afghanistan he should be impeached. Quote, we're duty-bound to get every American citizen out. We're honor-bound to get those Afghans who fought along our side out, Graham told Fox and Friends. If we leave one American behind, if we don't get all those Afghans who stepped up to the plate to help us out, then Joe Biden, in my view, has committed a high crime and misdemeanor under the Constitution and should be impeached, Graham added. Biden has faced sharp criticism for his administration's um, evacuation of Afghanistan after the Afghan government fell to the Taliban last week. During a press briefing on Friday, Biden vowed to evacuate... Hold on, I gotta get my damn glasses on. This is... Um, Biden vowed to evacuate Americans left in the country. Quote, any American who wants to come home will get you home, Biden said. Biden has said his administration is aiming to complete the evacuation of Americans by August 31st. The president also pledged Friday to evacuate Afghan allies from the country. We're going to do everything, everything that we can to provide safe evacuation for our Afghan allies, partners, and Af Afghans who might be targeted because of their association with the United States, Biden said. During his remarks on Friday, Biden noted that the U.S. has evacuated 13,000 people from Afghanistan since August 14th and 18,000 since July. The Biden administration has said that it isn't sure about exactly how many Americans are still in the country. The White House did not immediately respond to a request for comment from Newsweek Friday afternoon. In his comments on Fox News, Graham said that Biden's handling of the situation in Afghanistan has made it harder 
for Americans to make allies because we're going to abandon those Afghans who helped us. And quite frankly, he's made another 9-11 tenfold, more likely, by withdrawing everybody. President Trump left troops on the ground as an insurance policy against another 9-11, Graham said. When, uh, while Biden has faced backlash for his withdrawal of Afghanistan, he's also received some plaudits. On, in a letter on Friday, more than 4,300 veterans praised Biden's decision to end the war in Afghanistan. President Biden made a very tough call, knowing that this withdrawal would not be pretty or flawless. He's cleaning up a terrible situation that the aforementioned people created, and he's dealing with a terrible agreement stuck by the previous administrations and the Taliban, the letter states. And that's the truth. There was no, never an outcome where this was not going to be completely messy, period. We went over there to uh, find bin Laden. We found him. We stayed there because people were making far too much money by keeping war going over there. They were making tons of fucking money in war contracts and subcontractors. Uh, it, it, it's ridiculous that... The U.S. population is not paying attention to the fact that the only reason why we're engaging in war is to line senators and previous presidents' pocketbooks and ensuring their futures. Um, but that's the reality of it. And the reality is, is that there is a loss of human life because of that. Now, I don't personally think that there's anything sacred about human life. I think we're here because of the random chaos of the universe. And I'm okay with that. And so I'm definitely okay with saying we should not be involved in a war that's only lining the pocketbooks of corporate and the very rich in America. We just shouldn't. There's no reason to be there anymore. President Trump made the agreement with the Taliban to leave Afghanistan. It took us more months, and it was still bungled. So yes, the president, he is the commander-in-chief. He must, the buck stops with him. He must take responsibility, and Biden is doing that. But if you really want someone to blame, it's the generals who are lining their pockets. They're the ones that want to keep it going. The Pentagon are the ones that want to keep it going. And they're still talking about going back in because they want a little more Skrilla out of the situation. That's what it's all about. Your family's lives mean nothing to them. They will gladly sacrifice you on their altar of green. And they have, and they will again. So this whole argument about this article of if he leaves any American behind if we abandon those Afghan soldiers or those Afghan uh, interpreters and assistants. Well, first of all, we're getting them out. Second of all, there will be casualties that you just cannot deal with because that's just the chaos of war. And President Obama was convinced by the Pentagon to do a surge instead of get out what he wanted to do. President Trump was convinced by the Pentagon to put in more troops when he wanted to get out, even after he set an out date. And President Biden is the only one who disagreed with Obama, who disagreed with Trump, and who actually has the balls to get Americans off of foreign soil and off of their green. And I don't particularly like Biden or his decisions, but this one, this is the right decision. And it means people die, and it means people are going to suffer, but that is still the right decision. Because if we stay there, there's going to be more surges, and there's going to be more war. The reason why there was peace for all those months was because that agreement was made at the ceasefire, because we were leaving. As soon as that's up, we're right back in, and people are dying. And again... The reason why I care about the death factor in this is not the sanctity of life. It's that it's meaningless to the people who are dying. We're not doing it to protect your brothers and sisters, which I think would be a noble thing because it's a voluntary force. No, we're doing it to line the wealthy and corporate America's pocketbooks. That's it. And that's ridiculous. All right. Uh, yeah, we care less that Mexico is going to hell. 
Yeah, and I'm telling you, if there was money to be made reliably in going to war with Mexico, we would be there doing it, like in a heartbeat. But the fact is, is we need them more than we like to admit. They're a buffer between um, their real gang-controlled territories and our border. Um, wonder what Blackwater is going to do for money now. I'm sure there's a lot of other conflicts that we are not 100% aware of, that they're going to be fine. And that's the, this is the worst part about it all. For all of those contractors, there's always work. It doesn't always come from the U.S., right? So let's not pretend that they're all in it for patriotism and the U.S. flag rah-rah. No, that's bullshit. They're in it to get paid. That's why they're contractors and not soldiers. Uh, and they're going to find work. And the other side of this that I don't feel like anyone is talking about is that we created this problem in the first place. We're the ones that armed these people against the Russians. And that's why Russia had to pull out. And before Russia, it was England that pulled out. And now we're in there fighting people with our own weapons, and we're trying to build this army for a bunch of people who don't want it, who are then giving the gas and giving the weapons over to the Taliban. And as soon as America says we're out, they hand the keys to the Taliban. They don't fight for their own freedom and independence. They're giving it up. They don't even care about it. I had this argument with a soldier. It was my last soldier in my service that I ever mentored. Uh, he came over and he was like this, uh, you know, he, he won a bunch of um, like, it sounds stupid, but it was important for him and certainly for the other soldiers who were engaged in it. But it was like, it was basically like a quiz, you know, like a quiz show for, for other soldiers on who knows the most about all the military laws and, and, and uh, procedures. And so they would get quizzed and, you know, they'd have a whole you know, circuit of, of people going up and, and this kid won. And so, you know, he was supposed to be this brilliant soldier. And this was uh, after 9-11 when it was still in the heat of it. I'm talking like months after 9-11. We're still doing 24-hour guard duty. We're still like in the shit. And he came over and he was like, you know, we're doing a really good thing over there. You know, we're liberating the world. We're bringing democracy. And I was like, you need to understand one thing. Not everyone wants democracy. We're selling a product to other countries who are looking at us and they're seeing the insane state of our country and the choices that our country makes. And they're saying, you want us to buy that? No, thanks. I don't want it. Not everyone can handle democracy. That's why you have thousands of years of humans not having a democracy. It's not because they just don't want to fight for it. Some have. Some have tried it. And they go right back to the way that they're comfortable, the way that their own mentalities align with. And some people get caught up in there regionally because, again, of the chaos of the universe. And they just have to deal with it or they have to find their way out or they die under the oppression. But the truth is, is not everyone, one, deserves it because it comes with a toll. You have to fight you have to sacrifice. You have to be willing to put your life and blood on the line in order to get it. And not everyone's willing to do that. Not everyone even in this, even in this country is willing to do it. They're sure glad to suck at the teat of Lady Liberty, but they don't want to put their shit on the line for it. So how could we expect other countries to be willing to do that? Not every human being should have freedom. Because they can't handle responsibility that comes with freedom. It's just a fucking fact based on all of human history. If you disagree with it, that's fine. So, <laughs> I don't know why I went off that rant. It was because that the handover was so peaceful from the democratic Afghanistan military and political sphere to the oppressive Taliban regime. And now, the very people who set the timetable to leave, who were shouting that we should be getting out, are now saying that it was the wrong choice, that they're doing it incorrectly. You set the timetable! This asshole's just following it! And he's late! 
So if the generals on the ground were doing their goddamn due, due diligence rather than lining their goddamn pockets and setting up the procedures for a peaceful exit, then that would have happened. But they didn't because they didn't think they're going to have to because the Pentagon runs this goddamn country. The military industrial complex. Now I feel like I'm Alex Jones yelling about what is clearly an obvious reality that all of the media seems to ignore. And we've known about this since World War II. Military-industrial complex. Okay, that's, that's the end of that rant for that article. Let's move to the next one because I'm already sweating. <laughs> that's stupid. But yeah, if, if Biden abandons them, the, the U.S. personnel or any U.S. soldier just abandons them, which he won't do, but if, then yes, of course, hold him accountable. Just because he's a Democrat and not a Republican, it doesn't matter what side you're on. If you fuck up... You need to be held responsible. That's the whole satanic thing. Responsibility to the responsible. Not unless they're in the party that you happen to like in the moment. No, you should be held responsible. Of course. Talking about responsibility, let's talk about COVID. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. There's a vaccine that is like 98% protective against the COVID-19 virus. It's crazy, but it's there. And there's people who say, I don't want the vaccine until they get COVID and they're on their deathbeds. And then they beg, hey, please give me the vaccine. Please do something for me, please. I'm actually dying. I didn't think it was real. Fox said it wasn't real. Well, guess what? I don't feel bad at all for these people. They did it to themselves. You didn't get the vaccine? Fuck you. You deserve to die. Okay, here's the article. Moaning, crying, unable to move. Photo shows Florida COVID-19 patient on floor of antibody treatment site. WGNTV.com reports. A striking image circulating on Reddit shows a COVID-19 treatment site struggling to respond to an influx of patients in, guess where? Florida. They were doing so good handling that they don't have to have lockdowns. They don't have to have safety measures. It's Florida. They did such a good job managing it. And now they're just dropping like flies. Fucking idiots. The image taken by Louis Lopez on Wednesday shows two women lying on the floor of Jacksonville's main library as they waited in line for free Regeneron. Regeneron, yeah, treatments. Damn it. Here I go again. Uh, everyone, please be careful. Whether you're vaccinated or not, my husband, vaccinated but positive, has been waiting two plus hours for monoclonal therapy. And he says he's never seen people so sick, moaning, crying, unable to move, Lopez's wife Suzanne said in Reddit post. Lopez told the Florida Times Union he tested positive for COVID-19 and was experiencing moderate to severe symptoms. His doctor suggested he get the Regeneron treatment, which injects monoclonal antibodies into COVID-19 patients before their symptoms worsen. Lopez said the woman came in behind him and immediately sat on the floor. Both eventually lied down. One did not have the strength to pick herself up and dragged herself on the floor as the line moved forward, Lopez said. They were very sick. I told someone else the picture doesn't convey how much pain they were in because they were moaning, Lopez told the newspaper. The poor woman in yellow could barely move. She needed help. I asked her at one point if she needed help. She said no, but she was just miserable. Florida had plans to open 17 monoclonal antibody treatment sites across the state, including two sites in Tampa and Hudson. The sites had more than 300 appointments available each day for people to get the treatment. The library in Jacksonville was the first state-run site to offer the Regeneron doses, administering 97 doses on Tuesday and 143 doses on Wednesday, according to city spokesman Nikki Kimbleton. Campbellton verified the authenticity of Lopez's photo in a statement to First Coast News. The volume of patients in the state-operated facility have more than doubled yesterday. There were wheelchairs on hand, but at the time these pictures were taken, all of the available wheelchairs were in use, she said. Campbellton told news outlets changes were made to better accommodate the influx of patients. JFRD and COJ are providing triple the number of wheelchairs, additional seat, uh, seating for those waiting in line, and signage and dirt... Uh, directs signage that directs patients to alert someone if they need any type of assistance, she said in a statement to the Times Union. 
Florida reported 23,335 new COVID-19 cases and eight new deaths on Wednesday, according to CDC data. Over the past few weeks, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has touched the use uh, has touted the use of Regeneron for early treatment of COVID-19. The sooner you get a monoclonal antibody treatment, the more effective it will be at keeping you out of the hospital and saving your life, DeSantis said in a statement. We opened additional antibody treatment sites to support Florida hospitals and provide access to clinical early intervention for Floridians. If your loved one has been diagnosed with COVID-19, these sites are a great resource to access this therapy. Now, even if you get the um, vaccinations before you are positive for COVID-19, you can still contract the disease because they're not 100%. It's just like you wore a condom. How did I get you pregnant? It's not 100%. So you have to still be smart. Treat it like the flu if you've had a shot. Wash your hands. Don't touch your eyes and your nose and your mouth. And definitely don't lick any doorknobs. I know there's a few doorknob lickers out there. <laughs> Sorry, that was just such a stupid thing to say. Um, but seriously, though, just be smart. I don't understand why people are suffering like these. I mean, they're just so fucking stupid. You can, you can save your life. Have a healthy lifestyle. If you get sick, take care of yourself. And if there's a vaccine for a deadly pandemic virus, take the vaccine, you dummy! What are you thinking? Ugh. Why, why are we in a world where it's, it's okay if the vaccine, uh, the anti-vaxxers are talking about a new vaccine, but if it's an old vaccine that everyone has to take in order to get into elementary school, it's a crazy notion. How dare they give us a new vaccine for a new virus when all the old vaccines for the old stuff is already taken care of and all mandatory? Why would they make this mandatory? Ah! What about your freedom? This is your freedom. This is your future freedom. You get to lay on the ground and moan and whine and complain, whine and tear and die. You dummy. Stupidity is painful. And I love it. These fucking people, dude. Ugh. Ugh. If it didn't affect every single other per person around them, I wouldn't give any care at all. <laughs> but it does, you know? I mean, God, some, come on, people. All right, what are you guys saying? Homeless or not, any human can get and spread COVID-19. If they choose not to get the vaccine, then you personally want nothing to do with them. Yeah, I, they, the vaccine's free. It doesn't cost anyone anything. They don't ask you about where you live. They just say, oh, you want the shot? Okay, here. And give you the shot. That's it. Um, they're offering it. I don't know about the boosters yet. I'm going to wait a little bit longer on those. But if it comes down to it, like I get a flu shot every single year. And I don't get the flu. <laughs> like, if this is an annual thing, yeah, I'll take the shot annually. I don't care. I, I would rather protect myself then suffer the effects and possibly die. My the, my the newest friend that died, died of COVID-19. This is a real fucking thing, people. Uh, word is that the uh, MMA variant vaccines lose efficiency over time, oddly enough. Being aware and taking practical safety measures tends to stop contraction the most. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? I love that. Uh, shit's wild down here. Uh, you saw a chick at work eating chips, put her pin number on the pad, then lick her fingers. Ugh! Ugh! That's the doorknob licker I'm talking about. Ugh! That's disgusting. None of the black folks are wearing masks. I actually don't wear my mask anymore either because I'm vaccinated. <laughs> don't hate me. It's not mandatory here though because we're not... Actually, we are kind of going through another, like, surge of a pandemic, but it's only amongst the non-vaccinated here in Utah. Um, gravestone engraving for anti-vaxxers should all say stupidity is painful. <laughs> hey, you know what? Here's the thing, though. The funeral industry is a-booming. You know? They are making money. Those gravestone engravers are at, like, max capacity. 
and I can't ha- I can't hate on people making a buck. You know, if your industry is death, business is booming. <laughs> I hope you're saving some of it because you're gonna have some dry times, but that's one industry that's always gonna be flush. Uh, when it's a polio back in the 50s, they distributed it to kids at school. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, that's what I don't understand, Richard. That's why I don't understand why it's such a big deal. This could be squashed. It could just be squashed. But we're too stupid to let that happen. We are too stupid. Your mom beat cancer and people were worried about her taking the vaccine. And surprise, surprise, she's fine. Well, I'm, I'm happy for your mom. I think that's awesome, dude. Long-term authoritarian measures for the safety of responsible adults you think is always for freedom. I can't tell if you're doing that tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> Lazarus, but I actually agree with that idea, so <laughs> I hope you're not. Um, capitalism at its finest, yeah, yeah. Still wear your mask and have a pair of vinyl gloves in your pocket. Good on you, man. And the thing is, like, if I was sick, I would definitely wear a mask because I don't want to spread it around to other people because I'm not an asshole. But then when I'm sick, I usually don't go out. You know, I just sort of stay home and get better and then go out when I'm healthy again. Like, that's just seems to make sense to me. Anyway, I wanted to bring this up because I, I love I love the affirmation that this is telling me. You know, one of those ideas in Satanism is that stupidity should be painful. And we are living in a time when it is clearly painful. Oh, we got to take our wins when we can, people. Because we don't get them very often, the Satanists. We really don't. We get pseudos coming up and fucking our shit up. We get crazy uh, Christian fanatics coming and fucking our shit up. We just get to sit back and enjoy the breeze on this one. I'm just going to sit back with my drink and enjoy the breeze. (laughs) All right, here we go. That's actually, I feel like we're going fast, but I'm actually going a little long. Let's do a little creature feature. Uh, Dog, you bring up a really good point. I don't have any of the data to to have the conversation about it, but um, black and poor black communities health statistically is really always bad, like really, really bad. And for that community to not trust the government enough, though I think they have pretty good cause for not trusting our government, but for them to have so much distrust in the government so that they're actually killing themselves by not getting the vaccine. Excuse me. Um, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Um, okay, so let's do a little bit of a brand new cherry flavor. I don't know if any of you have seen this or not. This is a mini series. It's based on a book. Well, let me get into it here. Um, this is a horror drama streaming television limited series on Netflix. It was created by Nick and Tosca and Lenore Zion. They did Channel Zero. And if you ever watched any of Channel Zero, it's actually on Shudder right now, but originally aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, I think. It's um, it's a it's it's basically creepy pasta internet stories, but made into series. So I think there was like four seasons or something, but they were great sci-fi slash horror series, and they had a sort of uh, pacing and tone to them. You get that vibe from this. So you can clearly see that it came from the producer and director. Um, But that being said, it's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. So this is based on the brand new cherry flavor novel by Todd Grimson. I, I I was looking up this story and it was saying that this first season, which I think is like eight or 11 episodes. We're not done. We're like near the end of it. But, um, it covers like the first 66 pages of the novel. So there's still like 300 plus pages to go. So I'm hoping they renew it for another season so we can continue down this spiral. But it got me thinking, well, I want to read this book now. And uh, I want to do a book club about this book. And I went to Amazon to pick it up. And there's the audiobook. But then the only paperback they have available 
is being sold for $900. $900 for a paperback because of the popularity of this series. So many people are getting it that people are grifting and they're making money off of it. Okay, so that being said, I didn't buy it. <laughs> I just did an internet search uh, hoping for like a secondhand copy or something like that. And it ended up coming in like Google Play offers an ebook of it. And there's no Kindle version. There's only the ebook on Google Play that I could find. And that's only 10 bucks. So I opted that route to pick it up. But looking at the reviews of this novel, not the series, but the novel, people either love it or they hate it. I mean, it's supposed to be based around this uh, sort of late 90s L.A. scene, um, but with like a new noir um, psychological sort of horror vibe. So it's a lot to sort of wrap your head around. But again, it's 90s sensibilities, not 2021 sensibilities. So if you go back to read any of these books or this book and you try to bring your woke agenda I love that because it's also a triggering word for anyone who considers himself woke. If you bring your woke agenda to this 90s book that was not written, I think it was actually written in 96, actually, but um, you're going to be wildly offended because it, it has content in it that is not up to modern par, whether that's up or not. Um, anyway, this series right now is sitting at 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. It is 77% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with 81% audience score. So you can see that it is trending in a very positive way for the series. The book just has like this very polarized up and down um, vibe on it. It stars uh, Rosa Salazar as Lisa Nova, who is the sort of anti-hero main character of this entire series. Catherine Keener as Boro, who is like... Mm, not really the bad guy of the series, but sort of like the supernatural force of the series. You have Eric Lang as Lou Burke, who is like the bad guy of this first season. And I'll get into the story here briefly in a second. And Manny um, Jacinto as Lisa Nova's friend, Code, who's like her L.A. contact as she's coming into town. And then Jeff Ward as Roy Hardaway, which is like the love interest for Lisa Nova. It is uh, composed, the music is composed by Jeff Russo, and it is a very good score. It's not like poppy or punky or anything, but it kind of is in a, in like a sort of a, an undertone manner. It's present to let you know it's there, but it doesn't take over the scenes. So I like music like that. Anyway, here's the log line. Lisa and Nova comes to L.A. dead set on directing her first movie. But when she trusts the wrong person and gets stabbed in the back, everything goes sideways and a dream project turns into a nightmare. This particular nightmare has zombies, hitmen, supernatural kittens, and a mysterious tattoo artist who likes to put curses on people. And Lisa is going to have to figure out some secrets of her own past in order to get out alive. I, I'm telling you what, that's a very accurate statement. I started watching it and it started reminding me of True Blood. You know, how it was sort of like over-the-top, like World of Darkness type setting. This is kind of like that, but like the over-the-top isn't out in the open. It's very much under the curtain, sort of behind the door. And so it's just, you're not sure how to, how to take it, how to feel about it. Um, Lisa, the main anti-hero protagonist, she, you don't know if she's like has magic of her own or not. Because there's moments when she very much seems to exhibit magical power, not in a direct, but in an indirect way. And so it keeps you guessing. So ostensibly, she comes to L.A. through, you know, she calls up her friend uh, Code and says, look, I need somewhere to crash. I'm going to sell my uh, short film and try to get someone to pick it up and make a full-fledged feature film. I want to direct it, and I'm going to realize my, you know, my future visions. The ending of this film is so shocking and so disturbing that when you watch it you actually really dig it and you're like wow she really went there i don't know how she did these effects but it doesn't matter because when um lou burke sees it he you know he's a producer who's sort of seen a couple failed uh films but has had past acclaim he really wants to last on latch on to someone who has some real talent so he writes up a contract tells her that she, he'll let her direct it even though he has no intention of doing so, and then ends up taking her film from her, getting a different director. She is so upset, she goes to confront him about it, and he physically assaults her 
at in his own house, which is very shocking when you're watching it because you didn't see it coming, this sort of like snap that he goes through after he's tried to sexually assault her and she's pushed him away, you know, setting boundaries. So he is a dirtbag through and through, personally and professionally, and she is now beside herself. She doesn't have her her uh, short film anymore. She doesn't have any way of getting around it. She was approached by this crazy person, Boro, played by Kathleen Keener, Catherine Keener, who is amazing in this role. And it makes you think that she's like a vampire or something, because when you first meet her, she's like really old and decked out. But the more she's around Lisa, the younger she's appearing. And then she strikes a deal. She says, look, I'm here. I will hurt someone for you. You just let me know. Here's my card. Once she gets burned, once Lisa gets burned, she contacts Boro and says, look, I want him to suffer. And that's when the series really starts taking off. And it, it's like ebbing and flowing with chaos and random craziness. And here is where we're going to tie in the side vagina. So part of the payment that Boro extracts for causing this curse is for Lisa to puke up kittens, like, like right out of a mother cat right like little kittens so she's like mucus and like I like puking them up at random times it just happens and so <laughs> it gets to a point where she's like I'm not doing that anymore I will not puke up another kitten to this Boro character and Boro's like okay so like the next time that she would have normally puked up a, a cat she's like in a bathtub and she notices this cut on her side and she like starts to touch it and she gets this sensation of pleasure from like touching this wound on her side and she's like rubbing her finger in it as if it was her vagina and she ends up having sex with her boyfriend and she's like forcing him to finger this cut in her side this side vagina that she has that the cat is then coming out of so she actually instead of puking up the cat it comes out of this side vagina that she ends up having her man who she he does only and it's so creepy okay he starts fingering with one finger, and then two, and then three, and he ends up fisting her side vagina as they're making out and having sex. And she is all in. I mean, this brought me back to American Gods with Bathsheba, like, absorbing men into her vagina. I mean, it was amazing to watch. This is wildly offensive to some people, but I find it very, very erotic. I like weird stuff, though, so a little side you know side comment there but dude you watch it you tell me that's not hot i defy you <laughs> to tell me honestly that that is not sexy it's weird but yeah immediately after she's like tell her i don't mind puking up kittens anymore <laughs> you've got to watch this series man it is so weird and out there and like dark and like filled with occult references and like boro he explains his backstory, and I'm not going to spoil it here, but it's kind of cool. And you start to think, why is he so interested in Lisa? And what about this film? And was the ending of this film, when you finally get to see it, you're just like, oh, shit! Oh, you know, because it's so crazy and out there. And you're like, was it real? Was it an effect? If it's not an effect and it is real, what happened to that actress? And then she comes on the scene, and it's like this whole crazy... It's awesome. You have to watch this series. It is so crazy. Definitely, definitely worth watching. Yeah, William, and it's dope. It is really dope. You gotta watch it. Okay, that's I'm I'm really sweating now. I gotta watch that that episode again. Have some spend spend some time by myself. Um. Okay. Yeah. So he was saying that brand new cherry flavors first season covers only sixty six of the novel's three hundred forty four total pages. So everything that just happened in the first act of the story was a place setter. That's not even the craziest that the novel gets. This was like just the first steps into crazy town. They were saying that things don't really get rolling until Lisa gets to Brazil, which is what happens at the very end of the season. She gets on a, a plane. So if this isn't the crazy stuff and we're already seeing this stuff, I, I can't wait. Take my money, Netflix. I want to see what's next. I, would I will sit here every day. I, as soon as it comes on, I will just binge it until it's over because you've got me hooked. Like, I can't imagine what's crazier than Side Vagina. 
I have no idea what's crazier than side vagina. But I want to. I'm in. <laughs> I bought a ticket. I'm <laughs> I got my golden ticket. Oh, dude. So weird. You gotta love weird shit. What's the alternative? Being normal? Screw that. Hell yeah, Anton. I agree with you, man. All right, that's it. That's all I got for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for sitting through some weird stuff and me ranting and screaming and sweating profusely. <laughs> I'm like really drenched here. Um, that is it for this episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Of course, if you want to support this channel, subscribe to it. Sign up to the email list if you want to find out what's going, to, what's going on, when I'm going to do it, and who I'm going to be doing it with. <laughs> Whose side vagina I'm going to be poking. Uh, tomorrow, there's a Satanist on Cinema, which is going to be a good one. Now, it's such a good film. I can't wait to talk about it. And the documentary, actually. That's more of a film. And, um, yeah, if you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, check out churchofsatan.com and read the Satanic Bible a couple times. It'll do you good. It really will. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, hail Satan.